This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Hi. Good. Uh, is today already Wednesday? It already. Is. Man, this week has flown by, but we have a lot of Utah Jazz to get to today and the NBA. Do the Utah Jazz value Donovan Mitchell enough? And what have you seen on video from Donovan Mitchell to make you think this has been the summer of Don? We have video for you. You should be watching us on YouTube. If you're listening on the audio podcast, Get to the Montyshow.com. You are going to see all of the video of Donovan Mitchell. And we got to talk about Kevin Durant. Should the Miami Heat give up Bam Adebayo to get Kevin Durant? Man, I think that is a much more difficult question than anybody knows. We'll talk about that coming up. Can you afford to buy a house? Should fast food restaurants have unions? Yeah. You know. Just all the normal day-to-day machinations Pretty of much. things and, and, and stuff, stuff. You know. Yeah. How burned out are you talking Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell? Incredibly. Incredibly. It's every day that we have to try to find an angle or a conversation point. And I think, you know, again, this is what I was mentioning on the show yesterday. Like, I think Utah Jazz fans are just tired right now. Like, you're <laughs> you're either waiting for Don to be traded, you're waiting for the Utah Jazz to say, nope, we're never trading Donovan Mitchell, and it's Mike Conley and Bogey on the block next. Like, you're just waiting for something definitive. That's what you're waiting for, and you're not going to get it anytime soon, I don't think. Well, let's roll right into the Utah Jazz and, and Donovan Mitchell because I do think one of the things that you have to talk about in these conversations when the Utah Jazz come up and we're talking about trading Donovan Mitchell and what should the Utah Jazz ask for, what will the Utah Jazz get in return, one of the things that's pretty clear, Jake, when we talk about this is how hard is Donovan Mitchell working? And... I think one of the major questions that we've had is what is Donovan Mitchell adding to his bag this offseason? Well, this video we're about to play right here live on YouTube, I think says that uh, Donovan Mitchell's working on his mid-range. So what you see right there is that Donovan Mitchell is a guy that, again, and and I know I might be making too much of it, Jake, but Mm -hmm. right there I think you see Donovan Mitchell adding to his mid-range bag. Yeah, and I think Donovan understands. Like Donovan gets that like he has a three-point range, but the the mid-range game is what – is what is limiting him right now. Because if you think about it, if you if you're thinking about all right, how am I going to defend Donovan Mitchell in a in a one on one situation or even in a pick and roll situation? Well, right now the defense is going to press. They're going to push out to the three point line because they know that Don's probably got you know what two feet behind the three point range reliably. Like he can make it out there. So you're pushing out because you don't have any fear of the mid range game from from him now. I think if I'm Donovan Mitchell, and this and that's what you saw in the video, like you're gonna work on mid range. You're gonna work on you know the way you use your pivot foot. You're gonna work on spinning off that pivot foot. You're gonna work on fading to your back shoulder, like all the stuff that we see all the great players do. That's what he's working on, and that's why I say I think Donovan Mitchell understands it. It's just a matter of him getting comfortable using it in the game. And I think you know so often last season we talked about hero ball and 
and Don taking shots maybe that, that were ill-advised or low-percentage looks. And I think that's what this changes in his game. If he understands, okay, I can get to the elbow. I can get to these certain spots on the floor. I don't have to take yeah. that 30-footer. Yeah, and I also think I want to play one more video for you. Uh, and again, if you're listening on the audio podcast, you should get to YouTube because when we talk basketball, Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, what, I, what we like to do now is we like to show you more than just tell you. Donovan Mitchell was running with Chris Prickley uh, in New York. And, and Chris, as you know, is one of the renowned skills coaches across the NBA. And they play a lot of basketball. And the biggest names in the NBA from KD, Durant, Harden, you name it, Donovan Mitchell, they show up in, in, in Brickley's gym and they play. Look at this video of Donovan Mitchell breaking the backboard, literally breaking the backboard at Chris Brickley's uh, run this week. I mean, that's crazy. It's domination. That is him going right to the basket. And I also think, you know, there's other videos of Don doing a sweep through. And in my opinion, Donovan Mitchell's having a great offseason. And, yeah. and this is why I say, if you're the Utah Jazz and you're trading Donovan Mitchell, the value that you're getting in return for him can cannot be too high. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of questions about Donovan Mitchell's ceiling, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you look at these two videos that we showed you today. You look at how quiet Donovan Mitchell has been. And what have we seen from Don this offseason? We've seen Donovan Mitchell on islands with his trainer, like flying his trainer to, to seclusion and working on his body. We've seen him island hopping to find a gym where he can play pickup ball. Like this season, very clearly, the, the branding that Donovan Mitchell is putting out is that he is coming for blood this season. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you would expect anything less because, frankly, Donovan Mitchell's a guy who, again, I will say, whether it's with the Utah Jazz or with somebody else, Donovan Mitchell has got to have a huge season. This is, in my opinion, this is make or break. Don is either going to stagnate and stay still or he's going to explode and become one of the top 5'10 players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, and I know that's crazy and a lot of people disagree with me, and again, I'll just say whether it's on the Utah Jazz or whether it's on another team, Jake, I am convinced that Donovan Mitchell has the ability to be to be one of the truly elite players in this league. Yeah, and I completely agree. And how does that affect the conversation with the New York Knicks? You know, I mean, I, I don't yeah. I don't mean to go straight to like, hey, he's going to get traded or go straight to a pain point. But think about it. What have we been hearing? Well, we've been hearing that the Knicks are, are reticent to meet Danny Ainge's asking price. Well, maybe if Donovan Mitchell was a bona fide top five player in the league, they wouldn't be reticent to meet the asking price. And that's what I think, the more I've thought about this and the more I start putting thought into this process and how this may work out, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have a baller season. I think he is going to go nuts this season. And I think what ends up happening is that's going to legitimize him as a player. And then once that happens, then you're talking about being able to move him for the price that you want. And that's the thing that I think has kept him to this point, from being traded, because Danny has asked for a really high price. The Knicks don't feel that Don is worth that very clearly, or they're not willing to give up what Danny's asking for, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And I just think when Don steps his game up and, and continues to improve, it gets easier for Danny Ainge to get that price. Yeah, and I... I don't know. I think this is interesting. And, you know, I also go to the Kevin Durant situation because I think when you look at the Kevin Durant situation... Miami is supposedly, and I say supposedly because I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. Miami is supposedly a team that is willing to give up Bam Adebayo to go and make a Kevin Durant trade. 
And I look at what Miami would have to give up to get Kevin Durant. I look at what New York would have to give up to get Donovan Mitchell. I just don't know why you would ever do a trade like that. Like, I sit here and I ask myself every single day, why would the New York Knicks give up between five and eight first-round draft picks on their own to get Donovan Mitchell? And there is no bigger supporter, if you've listened to this show, you know. There is no bigger supporter than I Mm -hmm. of of Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Why, if you were the New York Knicks, are you giving up between five and eight picks to get Donovan Mitchell? That's lunacy. Oh, and then you're going to have to throw in three young players to make that deal. That's lunacy. Mm -hmm. You just invested hundreds of millions of dollars in Jalen Brunson. You have got millions and tens of millions of dollars in a guy like Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Grimes, Toppin, like all these guys. If you're the New York Knicks, ask yourself if you really need to give up all of that, potentially 10 assets to get one guy in Donovan Mitchell. And if he were Kevin Durant, if he were LeBron in his prime, okay, we're having a different discussion. This is a prove-it year for Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So I ask again, if you're the Knicks, does this even make sense? Does this even make sense to give up that much to get Donovan Mitchell? And my man, I'm telling you, it's not. And I, I, I it's not that Donovan Mitchell's not good. And the question of the day is, how good can Donovan Mitchell be? How high is his ceiling? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, this guy is a true alpha male. Donovan Mitchell can be a number one option, but not for 10 assets. Facts. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not giving up. Bam Adebayo to get Kevin Durant. Like, if you give up Bam Adebayo and it's Kevin Durant and and Jimmy Butler and a bunch of other bros, Mm -hmm. like, what do you really have? Because we learned the hard way that just having greatness on the roster does not guarantee you a win. And I think if you look at what happened in, in Philly, Minneapolis, Chicago, Jimmy Butler's got a track record of not being the easiest guy to get along with. Right. So am I going to put Kevin Durant, who's asking his way out of Brooklyn right now, in a meltdown of of epic proportions, perhaps the ugliest team meltdown we've ever seen? Am I going to give up Bam Adebayo to bring that to South Beach? Never. I. How it, can you? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And that's why I say we're just sitting here. We're like in gridlock. We're in deadlock. Like, the league is literally just sitting here spinning, and I don't know what the fix for that. A lot of people will tell you, well, hey, the Lakers are in control, and they should have made the Westbrook deal for Kyrie, and the Nets can buy Kyrie out and be in a better situation. But I, 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 I that hasn't happened. So I, that's my point. I don't know where the league goes. It's going to take, like, Kevin, Kyrie, yeah. and Ben Simmons agreeing to play together this season, and the Nets putting, putting all that, you know, trade me all this nonsense to bed for the league to move on, I feel like. And I can't believe we're sitting here saying this, that the Brooklyn Nets control the fate of the NBA right now. Like, it's it's wild. Like, I don't but, know how we got here. But this is why I go back to the question on Donovan Mitchell. Like, again, how good can he be? And what's the level of respect for Donovan Mitchell around the NBA? Like, do the Utah Jazz have too much value placed on him? Does Donovan Mitchell not get the respect he's earned across the NBA? 
because I think there is a good conversation to be had around what the rest of the NBA thinks of Donovan Mitchell mm -hmm. and how much respect there is for Donovan Mitchell around this league. Because the the when you're asking a team like the Knicks to give up ten pieces to get Donovan Mitchell, my God, yeah, and and potentially you know five to eight first round picks, that's insanity to me. Mm -hmm. And of course, Danny Ainge is going to drive a hard bargain. I mean, there's a sucker born every day, and and recently they were born in Minnesota, right? So you yes. got a haul for Rudy Gobert, but I just don't know what you do if you're the Utah Jazz and the the Knicks are like, Nah, bro, we're not giving up, you know, six first round picks to get get your guy. Then I think you stand pat. I think you I think you ride it out. I think you I think you you go into the season and you see what you have in this yeah. team. I mean, obviously, again. It, 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 we can't keep saying it enough. Like I do believe Conley and Bogey are going to get moved, but I think the point is the, the overreaching point is okay. We've got Don for at least the first part of the year before the deadline. Yeah, what can we do? And I think this is the ultimate like make a decision at the deadline type thing because we've heard that the the Knicks and the Jazz are far apart on a deal. So okay, let's not force it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about what Danny is doing. This question of hey is is Danny Ainge overvaluing Donovan Mitchell? Well, it's not like Danny Ainge is is trying to make a deal where he's like actually trying to trade Donovan Mitchell. Danny no. Ainge is trying to make a deal where he's not trying to trade Donovan Mitchell. He's trying to fleece a team, and that's why the price is so high. So I I just think it's it's to to try to define Don's value off of what Danny is asking is not the right way to go about it. No, I agree. All right, let's get your thoughts in here. First one in this morning is Colton Bitten. What's up, Colton? Colton, good morning. He says first in happy birthday, Brad Saylor. I don't know who Brad Saylor yeah, is. Yeah, I don't Colton. know who that is. Who is that? Uh, Neville 93, second winning. Good morning, lads. Yes, I respect Mitchell, but he needs to do a little growing up, I believe. Ooh. I agree, but I agree. I know Truth that's harsh, bomb. but I Truth agree. Bomb. I have to agree. I think, I think you know, we've talked so much about the, the Donovan-Rudy dynamic and when Rudy got shipped out, but Donovan owns a big piece of that. Donovan also owns a big yeah. piece of leadership on this team and moving the team forward assuming that he's still here. So, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think respect is such a heavy word. You know, like I, I think Donovan Mitchell, as a basketball player, I don't know how you don't respect him. As a man, I don't think that that's our, our decision to make. Nobody in, in watching the show or, in, in, you know, hosting the show, certainly we're not personal friends with Donovan. Like, right. I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a personal thing. I have a lot of respect for the way Donovan Mitchell works. I have a lot of respect for the way Donovan Mitchell plays the game. I think Donovan Mitchell's a competitor. Uh, you know, I frankly, I lost respect for Rudy Gobert last year when he sat out the Dallas game. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a cop-out. So, I do think that that respect is a big issue for Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he gets the respect that he's earned or due across the NBA. I, I don't think people, and I think some of that is he plays in a small TV market where the, the TV deal for the jazz is absolute garbage. Yeah. There's really not one, but I think respect is lacking for Donovan Mitchell. I truly believe that Mike uh, Belknap says he can't earn my respect. I'm part of the most racist fan base in the league. I'm glad they're moving this race baiter. I don't really understand that. I don't know how Donovan Mitchell's a race baiter. BB says, my question is, are the Jazz taking tanking this year or not? Like, are we trading away Conley and Boyan? If so, do we trade everyone but Don? I can tell you firsthand that Boyan Bogdanovich, they could have traded Boyan already. The Jazz have had, have had a lot of inquiries about 
Boyan Bogdanovich. I think the problem for Mike Conley is his value is incredibly low. I think last year damaged his value. Signing Mike Conley to that new deal was a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. And you're going to pay for it because I think the Jazz are having trouble trading Mike Conley. Um, I've heard it from one more than one NBA person that Mike Conley's got no value. And I think that the Jazz, I, I think it's probably strong to say that the Utah Jazz need to trade Mike Conley. I think they'd like to move that deal off their books. Yeah. And I think there are teams who'd like to have him, but not at the number that the Jazz have placed on him. And I think that's why when we talked last year about, hey, are you bringing Mike Conley back? You made an emotional decision. You let the momentum from the fan base dictate how you spend your money. And in my opinion, that's always a mistake. And I I'm think, screwed. Yeah, I think you're paying for that now. I do think you're paying for that. JP Shanahan says, morning, mates. What's up, JP? Kurt Myers says, uh, good morning. Looking forward to an entertaining morning. Thank you. I, it's going to be you. tough to beat yesterday's show, I have to admit. The laugh we had on yesterday's show was was pretty historic. Cocaine and ranch dressing, my yeah. friends. How else would you do this yes. job, right? Like, yes. I mean, yes. come on now. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Prismac from Poland. Well, hello, sir. Uh, says, hello, everyone. Monty's show is great. Now I'm in Bulgaria and I watch you every day. You have always... Uh, you have always write about my favorite team and got some news. Next season will be great no matter what. Enjoy it. Appreciate you being here. <laughs> saw it, yeah, I saw it, dude. Rhett Smith says, morning. James Knight says, sick of hearing about Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. you know. Teddy Wayman's in. What's up? Tanner Plummer's in. What's up? Tanner talking a load of crap about my Chelsea football club on Twitter hey last night. Hey, guys. So, apparently the... The Real Monarchs were playing the Chelsea under-21 team. Uh-huh. I had no idea about that. They were at Rio Tinto last night. Yeah, oh. casual. No idea. Uh, Caleb, what's up? Uh, Caleb, a big fan of Via 313 Pizza. Mm-hmm. Might take you up on that. Absolutely not, Monty. Bam Adebayo stays. Well, I think Bam Adebayo is a, a really important figure in the <clears throat> Kevin Durant saga. Yeah, and I think Miami's got a good core. They've got a core that clearly can get deep into the playoffs, can, can make – Good runs, and they gotta they gotta get the supporting cast to improve. Again, this is see, and this is my point about Tyler Hero. This to me is an indictment on Tyler Hero. Yes, it the is. The fact that they're looking at Kevin Durant, like, what does that say? Like, you have one of the best two way players in Jimmy Butler on your team. Obviously, Lowry's there. Obviously, Bam is there. Oh, that's right, Tyler. You're only coming up with ten points in a big game for us, and you let us down. That's right. That's right. So that's why I say, like, the 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 Kahanis on Tyler Hero to come out and be like, yeah, I'm a max player and I should be a starter. Well, no, dude. What you need to do is you need to come out and give us 20 a night off the bench, and then you can start talking about being a starter and 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 being that guy. And I just think that while Tyler Hero. Again, n not even being tongue in cheek, you're in you're in Jack Harlow videos constantly, but you're not you're not coming through on the floor, man. You got to be better, and I would expect him to be better. But he's again, he's another guy that's in a prove it year. So hopefully he can come through. But I, I, I'm just telling you, the fact that they're even looking at Kevin Durant is somewhat of an indictment on that second unit. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, let's see. M. Shepard says, get to trading the other guys already. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton, what's up, my man? He says, morning. Yeah, college football can't come fast enough. 50 no. days to NFL kickoff, bud. A, yeah, exactly. A big, a big, big NBA trade can't come fast enough. That's what I would say. Compass, my guy, you're back. What's up? Uh, M. Shepard says, I was absolutely thrilled when the Jazz signed the Italian soda. 
Well, the let's... Italian soda. Well, where's the Italian? Yeah, where's the Italian? Well, let's see what happens when they actually get him on the floor and he starts playing games. Because I think one of the things that makes me crazy is we see a guy from Italy uh, come in and they're or like, France. Oh, he's from Milan. He's going to be awesome in his Versace shoes. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool and stuff. But can we see him be awesome like in the NBA? Don't lie to me. And Mr. Italiano, uh, you know, like Manicott, um, I'll stop. Uh, he can really shoot, but my my point is a lot of guys can really shoot. He's a strong body for the Euro game, but I think when he starts playing NBA athleticism and NBA physicality, we'll see how that changes how he goes about his game. Compass says, yeah, Mitchell would be lethal if he could be deadly from uh, the midi. Yeah, and you know what? That video that we showed. Yeah. That little mid-range from, from – from, that step back mid range J is a must. Well, and I'm mean, telling you that the you can't nobody's talking about it, but but Will Hardy in this system that he's going to run, I'm telling you, is going to be good for Donovan Mitchell. Like you you have to you can't undervalue how suffocated Donovan Mitchell was in Quinn Snyder's system and in the way they kind of went about it. And I also think because Rudy's not here again, not an indictment on Rudy, but just a fact of life in the NBA. When you're not running a a, a, a lumbering seven footer out there, the pace of play is going to pick up. Your options on the floor are going to pick up. Your 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 space on the floor is going to pick up. And that's why I think that 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 the combination of hiring Will Hardy, shipping out Rudy, and getting back guys like Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt is huge. It's huge. It's absolutely going to change the dynamic for for Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that all turns out. I just. I don't know. I, I, I hope Donovan Mitchell is here when training camp starts. I hope Donovan Mitchell uh, plays the first half of this season because I think we're in one of these situations, and this is the same thing about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. When you don't trade guys and you openly try to trade them, you're make or breaking that guy. Yeah. Like you're make or breaking that guy. And I think this is a huge moment in time. And Donovan Mitchell is a hardworking grinder in the offseason. I think you're going to see that Don is a guy that's going to come back with a bunch more in his bag. Honest to goodness. BB says the problem is not Don. Uh, the problem is not Don. Who is running uh, mate? Who is his second star? I would agree with that. Giggity says, what's up? Good morning to you, sir. Uh, NY Jazz fan says, need a clutch mid-range game. If DeRozan did it, then so can Donovan. Absolutely. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. Dave uh, Whirlton. Dave, good morning. I love the beard in your avatar. He says, howdy from the Sunshine State. As a Jazz fan, I'd like to hear uh, from Donovan. Does he want to move or want to stay? What are his feelings about the Jazz? Man, we've I talked can, a lot about this, bro. I can only tell you this a thousand times. I have made easily a hundred requests to have him on our show. I have asked repeatedly to just have a phone conversation with him. Um, I asked him if he was going to summer league. I asked his agent, is he going to summer league? Hey, yeah. Hey, can we do a FaceTime? Hey, um, I've been told while well, he's working out, he's busy. He's, you know, the summer is really busy for him. No, I guess not. Hey, when he's on a tarmac waiting to take off, can he give me five minutes? Like Donovan Mitchell has not wanted to talk and he has not talked to anybody. And I think that's largely by design. And Ty Sullivan, his agent hasn't said two words. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of rumors that Donovan Mitchell is changing agents. Hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's not. I don't know. But Donovan Mitchell has not said two words, Dave. We would all, I think we'd all love to hear from him. Giggity says, love the video addition to the show. Thank you to everybody who commented on us adding videos. Uh, Shiron26 says, keep him. Uh, 
Kanai Johnson, KJ, what's up? Good to see you. He says, Don is going to be the a beast this year. Watch his mid-range game. It's going to come out this year. And if, yeah. you, if you're just tuning in, I'll play it one more time. Um, we have a... We we're trying to add new features to the show. The show is evolving. We've told and you this. One of the things that we we have started doing is we have the ability to embed videos now here on our YouTube channel, like this one here, demonstrating that Donovan Mitchell is working on his mid range game. And just note how pure it is. Yeah. Note how crispy it is. He's like, always had great touch. I'm you know? telling you, Donovan Mitchell's a killer. Yeah. He is absolutely a killer. Um, as is our good friend Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, who uh, presents our BYU drive away to Las Vegas. BYU and Notre Dame are playing in Las Vegas October 8th. We are giving you a chance to win two nights in a hotel and a pair of tickets to the game at Allegiant Stadium to watch BYU take on Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. All you have to do right now is this... We have a bigger announcement coming next week on this. But all you have to do right now is subscribe to this very program right here. And you, too, uh, can be entered to win a pair of tickets and $250 gas card, as well as two nights in a hotel in Las Vegas, the BYU. Notre Dame drive away on the Monty Show is presented by Devry Davis at Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278. 545 Devery Davis, of course, is an equal housing lender. And my friends, I tell you this every day about our good friend Devery Davis. If you are wondering if you can afford a house, if you are wondering if you can afford to buy a house, man, I can't afford a down payment. Absolutely, you can. And that's why you're going to call Devery Davis today. 801-543-9666. The number to call our guy, Devery Davis. Any mortgage question you have. Are you tight on your mortgage payment right now? Have you thought about refining? Have you thought about, hey, how much home can I afford? I work for myself. Can I afford? Can I qualify? Hey, you know, I only have a 650-point credit score. Does that get me a mortgage? Call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage today. And you tell him, hey, I heard it on the Monty Show. 801-543-9666 is the number to get to our guy, Devery Davis. And with the mortgage situation, the interest rates, Devery Davis has a program for you that will get you into a home. If you've been thinking about buying a home and you're like, man, the market's crazy. Guess what? As we're going to tell you in about an hour from now, the market ain't as crazy as you think it is. You can afford to buy a house, but you've got to have that pre-qualification letter in your hand when you go out to negotiate. Devery Davis can get that to you and he can get it to you today. All you have to do is call him today. Devery Davis, Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666. Devery Davis presents our BYU, Notre Dame Shamrock Series drive away where we're giving you two tickets to see Notre Dame and BYU at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, two nights in a hotel and a $250 gas card. By the way, if you don't live in uh, Utah and you'd like to still compete to win that prize, Please do. We'll also be happy to, if you want to fly yourself to Las Vegas, we'll give you the hotel, we'll give you the tickets, and we'll give you a $250 Visa gift card. Maybe you go buy yourself some beers. Maybe you go buy yourself a nice dinner. All compliments of our friend Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278545. Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage are an equal housing lender. And by the way, that's the way the show works. I don't. I know that we, we yeah. talk a lot about the business of um, doing this show. We need you guys to support our sponsors. Yep. And Devery Davis is, not only has Devery Davis done three of my mortgages, but he really likes our show. He's stepped up to support us. We need you to support him. So even if you just lob a phone call today and say, hey, I heard about you on the Monty Show. 
Just thought I'd say thanks for supporting the guys. Please do that. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, Talking NBA, if you're just tuning in, I see a bunch of people joining us now. Uh, if you're just tuning into the show, uh, talking about the respect level for Donovan Mitchell, how much is Donovan Mitchell worth to the Utah Jazz on the open market? Should the Miami Heat trade for Kevin Durant? And this is one of the things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, let's talk about should the Miami Heat trade for Kevin Durant? One of my biggest questions here is, what does Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler look like next to each other? Those are two combustible guys. Kevin Durant is by far a much more laid back, you know, chill character, right? But he's also a guy that we know has thin skin. We also know that he's a guy that doesn't hesitate to ask out of a situation, as he is in Brooklyn. He's become a ring-chasing team hopper, if you believe the rumors, mm -hmm. which personally I don't think is a bad thing. But if you're the Miami Heat, are you willing to give up Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, guys that have been components of your resurgence here into the top of the Eastern Conference? Are you willing to give those guys up to put Kevin Durant next to Jimmy Butler? I think the only reason you would do that is because Eric Spolstra is your head coach. And when I look at Eric Spolstra, I think he's the reason that Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler could work on South Beach because I still maintain Steve Kerr and, and Eric Spolstra are the two best coaches in the NBA today. I think they are fantastic. I think what Spo's done on South Beach with Miami and the Heat, bringing Jimmy Butler in there, teaching him how to lead a team, I think overcoming the obstacle that was Kyle Lowry last year, I think overcoming the struggles of a guy like Duncan Robinson I think Eric Spolster has done a great job. And Jake, my opinion is if you put Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler next to each other with Eric Spolster there, I do believe that they could compete for a championship. Yeah, I think you're in a great place. And I think you're already competing for championships. That's the thing. That's that's the thing that I think is is fluid here for the Miami Heat. Like you're already a team that that, you know, people write off early in the year and then you find yourself in the Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, getting to uh, the NBA Finals, you know, I mean, again, th this Boston team dispatched the Miami Heat uh, quickly this year, uh, but you were still there, and that's kind of my thing. Like, if you're the Miami Heat, you're really going to change this entire roster, like, to accommodate Kevin Durant? I don't think you need to do that. I think you need a better supporting cast. I think the, the combination of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo is a perfectly fine big three, if you will, or core of your starting five. And everybody else around them has to get better. And that's why I say, like, not to hate on Tyler Hero, but it's guys like Tyler Hero not doing enough in their role that limit you in big games. Like, that's why you lose to Boston because it can't just be Jimmy and Bam and, and Kyle the entire game winning you games. It's got to be guys like Tyler Hero. It's got to be other guys on that bench that come in and have an impact. So to me... I wouldn't trade for Kevin Durant. Honestly, I think the price is too steep. I think that it's it, it completely changes your team. Like, it changes the dynamic. It changes who you are. You got to build a new relationship. Like, wow. there's just so much to it. I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that because, well, frankly, Kevin Durant is staring at you over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, his face is literally right here. I mean, the Bro. judgment coming from him is real. Bro, uh, I would absolutely trade for Kevin Durant if I could. Um, as a noted uh, supporter of my and we, the Chicago Bulls, uh, I would give up just about everything, including, you know, DeMar DeRozan's scrotum to get him. Yes, um, yes, yes. That's probably too far. But my point is, um, I would give up quite a bit to get Kevin Durant. I, I, I would. I think Kevin Durant, especially in the East, I think in the West, 
you'd have to be one of the top two or three teams to get that done. And I don't know outside of Golden State, any team at the top of the Western Conference that has the assets to do that. Right. Um, I think if I if I am the Chicago Bulls, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I'd far rather have Durant than, than James Harden. Um, I think, by the way, we should also talk about James Harden because I think that that the statements James Harden has made le- recently, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how he shows up at camp. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice I mean, to see him show up in shape and ready to go. Well, he there's no question that that James Harden is is in far better shape than he was at just, any point. And he said, yeah. he said, not to get all crazy, but James Harden said, hey, I wasn't close to a hole or 100% last mm-hmm. year at any time. <laughs> Listen, I, I totally understand that. James Harden two years ago was dealing with a, a horrendous hamstring tear. Okay, I totally get that. This, just like Donovan Mitchell, I think this year is a prove-it year for James Harden. His legacy is on the line. Yeah. He has got to win a championship now. That's a guy I want on my roster. This is why I say about Kyrie Irving, and I know we vehemently disagree on this. Mm-hmm. If if you trade for Kyrie Irving right now on a one-year deal, on a prove-it deal, Kyrie Irving, you're going to get wholly his best this coming season. You yeah. are. That's Ramadan fasting and everything that comes with Kyrie Irving I totally get that the vax thing I totally get burning your locker room down you know um well that depends on who you ask because there's a lot of people who say Kyrie Irving isn't bad in your locker room Mm -hmm. the problem is he hasn't played enough I think Kyrie Irving is going to have a monster year Don's going to have a monster year Kevin's going to have a monster year Kyle Lowry is going to have a monster year right James Harden's going to have a monster year and what do they all have in common they see the light at the end of the tunnel. They know what's coming. And they need to win a championship, and they need to do that now. And Kyle's got a championship. I totally understand that. Pat Riley said he was fat last year. I think Kyle Lowry's on a mission. The guy's lost 17 pounds and, and looks like a bodybuilder. Like, it's crazy how good Kyle Lowry looks. It's crazy how good James Harden looks. They're fat. fat. Yeah, him and Zion been hanging out. You yeah, know? Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, and that's not why you brought him up to say something nice because you never say anything nice about I him. I don't. I you don't. Never. Dude's been a complete bust. He's been fat. Look, he's been hurt. He's His big shoe boned. sucks. His, he, he's, he's just not. Boned. Yeah, well, hey, whatever, man. He's got a gland issue, man. Yeah, I guess a gland issue. You're you so know, insensitive. It's genetics. Um, you know, there were too many Twinkies in the cupboard that day and not enough vegetables. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know, but dude's got to prove it at some point. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Teddy Wayman says Harden is going to have a really good year. I think he is. I think he absolutely is. I I don't think there is. I hope so. I don't think there is any doubt about that. But, again, I think this goes back to should you give up Bam Adebayo? You know what? If I can put Kevin Lowry next to – or Kevin Lowry. I put those two together. Check yourself. Yeah. You children. If I can put Kevin Durant and Kyle Lowry next to each other with Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolster, it's over. Come on, man. It's over. If I can put a healthy James Harden next to, um, you know, Big Sexy and the rest. Big Sexy. Hey, man, I'm just telling you, Joel, that is a flipping unit. Like, that guy, healthy with James Harden, healthy. Now we can talk about winning basketball games. Now now we can talk about taking out Milwaukee. And now we can talk about being better than Another guy on a prove-it tour, Giannis. Janice, auntie, your mama, you know, well I, said. you know, 
Hey, there you go. Uh, Cash Coolen says, if I didn't have a mortgage, I'd do it. Way to go, Cash. Congratulations on that. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, Carmelone at Jaden University, even though he isn't a good person. I don't know what you're talking I, I, about. I'm not sure what that means, bro. I'm lost. Yeah. Uh, my Holy King says Miami should. No. Well? No. I, I, I think maybe he should. Maybe he should. I don't know. Uh, Prismac from Poland. Prismak from Poland. from Poland. Who the f*** is that guy? My yeah. Polish, my Polish brother, and I have some Polish ancestry in me. Okay. Yeah, so does your mom. Oh. Uh, Danny Ainge is too experienced to do a stupid trade. He knows what to do. I trust him. Mitchell trade will be tough for Utah Jazz fans. He's the face of a team. I think that's exactly right. I think that Donovan Mitchell trading Donovan Mitchell is not something you should do lightly. Yeah. Trading Kevin Durant, trading Bam Adebayo. But again, I think you are, you are high risk if you are the Knicks in a Donovan Mitchell trade. Yeah. You're very low risk if you're if you're the Utah Jazz. I think you're high risk if you're Miami in a Kevin Durant trade. Yeah. I think you're really low risk if you are Brooklyn. Right, Brooklyn can almost do no wrong if they trade Kevin Durant. Yeah, if you're the team getting the guy, getting Donovan, getting KD, getting Russell Westbrook, getting John Wall, getting any of these guys, yeah. the pressure's on you to win, you know? And I think that the asking prices for these players have never been higher. So, I mean, that's just kind of the market right now. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely agree. Great job in the comments this morning. Caleb says, I know media or maybe himself would potentially think that if he asks out, they'd rather be out rather than Ainge blowing it up himself. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's he. I think Caleb's talking about why Don hasn't said much, but I think Donovan Mitchell needs to talk at some point soon. You know, like I just, I think they do. My Holy King says, "Who's Utah's new head coach? Will the Thrill Hardy? I think he's going to be stellar. He's going to yeah. be. He's young. Um, I think adding Jason Terry to his staff was brilliant. Um, I think adding David Fisdale as a developer of talent is brilliant." I think Will Hardy is going to be one of the best head coaches in the NBA five years from now. Here's the game plan. They gave him a five-year deal. And Will Hardy's a guy that's very experienced. He has a lot of uh, a lot of good mentorship under his belt. I think Will Hardy's going to be an excellent coach. I think he is going to be an excellent coach. DJ Lopez, wow, wow, uh, is a John Collins. Right. Uh, wow, 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 wow. Um, uh, is a John Collins trade still possible for the Jazz? I don't know. It's interesting. They had been so linked. Um, to wanting to add a big, and then the Knicks came calling. And as it's been explained to me, um, the thing that changed the Jazz philosophy here is the landslide of of assets that the Knicks were willing to talk about. Yeah. And while I don't believe, and it's just this is my opinion based on what I've been told by people at the Jazz and around the NBA, I don't think the the Knicks and Jazz were ever close on a deal. I think they talked on. I think they last talked on Monday. And I think they agreed to cool their jets because Danny Ainge is not backing off the fact that he wants six picks. Now, I've heard craziness that Danny's asked for eight picks. I've, I was told directly by multiple sources, Danny has not asked for eight picks. Pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in well, the jacket. I think Danny has been asking for six picks and three players. And the Knicks are not going to do that. The Knicks are not going to do that. And... You throw in the R.J. Barrett contract extension that's coming and all these different things. I yep. just, I think this deal makes a lot of sense for the Jazz and not a lot of sense for the Knicks. Correct. And I think you have a guy in Leon Rose who'd love to add Donovan Mitchell, but I think Leon Rose knows he's closer to winning a championship than the Knicks have been in the last decade. Mm -hmm. 
And if the Knicks will just hang on and make a good decision here on Donovan Mitchell, I think a year from now, the Knicks are a real force in the Eastern Conference. And I think this coming year, the Knicks are going to be much better. Uh, a couple more. Daniel Sturgis says Don is training in New York. He's on the move. Donovan Mitchell is from Westchester County, New York. Donovan Mitchell, every offseason of his career, has trained in New York. Yep. He works with Chris Brickley. This is not new. Nope. This does not mean he's on the move. Donovan Mitchell spends most off-seasons in Connecticut and New York. That's every day. And Miami. This is not new. This is what he's done every single year, in my opinion. Uh, my Holy King says that's a championship butler in Kitty. You think so? You think so, King? Like, I I, I, I could see it. Absolutely. I, and I don't think you're wrong. I just think, think about it like a, like a, a campfire. And you're like, damn, I can't get this wood, this wood lit. And you just take kerosene and throw it on that fire. Isn't that what you're doing anytime you bring in another larger alpha male with Jimmy Butler in his locker room? Mm. That's my biggest concern. Like, there's not another alpha on that roster. Yeah. There, there just isn't. Yeah, it's Jimmy's team. Without question. Yeah. So if you remove one of his best friends in Bam Adebayo and you bring in Kevin Durant, okay, well, it's Kevin Durant. Okay, I can deal with that. If this becomes Kevin Durant's team, and it will, just naturally, it will. What is what happens to Jimmy's personality? Is this the dagger? That's a huge question yes, for me, it man. Is. Like that's a huge question. Uh, Cass Coolin says I'd trade everyone but Bam and Butler for KD. And the problem is that you'd have to make the Bam trade outside of the KD trade. Yeah, I because just... you can't trade Bam onto the Brooklyn Nets with ba with um, Ben Simmons being there because they're both exempt contracts. This is what I mean though about this trade. Like it doesn't. You're already. You're already NBA Finals good, right? Like, are we forgetting that? The Miami Heat are already NBA Finals good. They need more secondary help. That's what they struggle with. They turn the ball over too much. The scoring goes away. They can't keep production going when Jimmy's on the bench. It's too top-heavy. That's their problem. And doing the Kevin Durant yeah. deal makes you more top-heavy. You can't. That's not smart basketball. Yeah, Compass says uh, D-Mitch could be number one. He could be. I think he could. Daniel Westover, which of the players that came over in the Rudy trade would you keep? I, I love Vanderbilt, and I think Malik Beasley could be a really good fit here. Yep. I don't know what Walker Kessler is. Um, I think, uh, you know, before training camp starts, and I think it's what is August fifteenth or whatever the the trade Not soon window is on Pat Bev. I would move Pat Bev because everybody wants him. Um, but Jared Vanderbilt's a guy. He, I mean, he's probably the best player you got there. Um, and I think Malik Beasley has a, a lot of value. He's a guy you can flip at the deadline. So, you know, Vanderbilt's a guy that I I really like. I, I think he was a, a really smart piece of that trade. Uh, Justin Fazio says, I'd be more willing to move Jared Butler than Pat Bev considering what we saw in Summer League. Well, but they're at different parts of their career. Yeah. I think for Jared Butler, I think the Jazz are frustrated with Jared Butler. He's a miss. And I don't. I think anybody that tells you that he was going to be a bust or they didn't see it is lying to you. Yeah. When you got him at 41 or whatever they got him at in the draft, I mean, there's nobody that wasn't excited about him. And, any, you know, I've heard a lot of local people being like, yeah, I told you so. Fuck off. You didn't tell us anything. Yeah, ever, what was the Jared narrative? Butler, Jared Butler's a guy that was a steal in the draft, and he hasn't worked out. Hey, he just won a championship at Baylor, and we just got a guy who leadership. knows how to win. Oh, leadership. Leadership. Wow. Leading the team. Oh, <laughs> 
<coughs> that was the narrative. The problem is this this prior incarnations of this organization didn't develop guys. Yeah. And now you're in a situation where you have a development pipeline and you have a, a, a guy in David Fisdale whose sole purpose in this world right now is to develop young jazz talent. So I think when you when you see Fizz and you you put him with Jared Butler, this is make or break for Jared Butler. Here's the game and plan. I think you saw miserable shooting technique in summer league for yeah. Jared Butler. That's what I think you saw. And by the way, by the way, I think you saw Jared Butler who wasn't all bought in because Jared Butler wasn't exactly in elite shape. And I think there was a lot of frustration with that. I think there was a lot of frustration with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, My Holy King says Butler wants to lead. KD doesn't. I, I don't think you can say that. I I, I really don't. Uh, Leonard Don and Endelove. What's up, LDN? He says we back. Yeah, you are. Hello. Yeah, you are. Uh, Compass says, no, KD wants to lead a team. I think KD does want to lead a team. My Holy King says, KD said he doesn't want to lead. Eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Compass says, bro, Minnesota's in the East. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Louis Diaz, what's up? He says, if I'm KD, I want to be the bus driver. I'll go to Utah and do my best to win chips with any roster I have with me. He will be a, the best jazz man ever. I would love to see Kevin Durant here. That ain't never going to happen. Doesn't make you feel responsible. It should probably make you feel responsible. Yeah. It should. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's switch gears um, and talk about Pac or uh, Big 12, Pac-12, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Because a very interesting thing from Dennis Dodd at CBS the other day has the Big 12 and Notre Dame partnering on a TV deal with NBC. Really? Well, what does that mean? No, that does not mean that Notre Dame is joining the Big 12. What it means is Notre Dame wants $75 million a year for their TV rights. <laughs> NBC doesn't want to pay that because they're not going to make that. Well, that's unless they have Big 12 football surrounding Notre Dame football. So Notre Dame kicks at, you know, three Eastern. We have a, you know, we have a game before that and a game after that. And hey, Notre Dame's got a nighttime kickoff. All right, we have, uh, you know, we have BYU and Oklahoma State um, leading us off at one o'clock. And then, yeah. you know, Notre Dame kicks off at, at five. You got to be able to keep people. You got, yeah. And I think that's what NBC is trying to figure out here. If you can get the Big 12 and Notre Dame in bed with NBC, I think you're golden. Because you know you've got you've got ESPN and BYU until 2026. You guys see what you did there? I think you're golden. Like the gold helmets on Notre Dame. I didn't even see I did that there. But, man, that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. That was pretty good. And I wear a size 15 shoe. Yeah. My point is that I think if you're golden <laughs> and... Are we clear on that? And you can partner NBC, with NBC and the Big 12 and Notre Dame. It, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Because all three of those components will make money. It raises the profile of the Big 12, and it still allows them to do a deal with ESPN. It still allows them to have, you know, scheduling, you know, partnerships with other conferences that puts Big 12 football on Fox, on ESPN, on CBS. That's the magic of college football right now. Teams like, you know, Baylor coming out of nowhere to win the Big 12 last year really helps the raise the level of the conference, right? So your TV value went up. 
And this, again, I know we're all probably tired of talking about this as well, but this is, again, why if you are the Big 12, you got to get after that Pac-12 ass now. Yeah. Because I think if you can add six Pac-12 teams, there's no reason not to do that. Mm-hmm. If you, Because you know what you have coming into the conference at BYU, Houston. Like, you know what you have coming into the conference. What I think you wonder is, okay, now I've got a Florida footprint, a Midwest footprint. I've got a, a mountain region footprint. I've now got multiple Dallas, uh, you know, multiple, you know, Lubbock. I've got Dallas. I've got Houston. We've got a great footprint in Texas. Like, what are you missing? You're missing the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. You're missing Southern California. You've got West Virginia, but you wouldn't mind adding, you know, some more regionality. If you can get Oregon and Washington, if you can get, and again, I know you're tired of hearing me say it. If you can get San Diego State into the Big 12. Bro, San Diego State, what? What? If you can get San Diego State into the Big 12, you've got Texas, you've got Florida. Yeah. You've got West Virginia. Why would you not do this? It makes perfect sense in my mind. That's why you've got to get aggressive because it forces teams like Notre Dame mm-hmm. who, and, and I think this is a, a question that has to be asked. What is Notre Dame's brand in college football? I still think it's massive. I think Notre Dame is, is that one independent team um, and, and BYU, we, you know all about this. BYU tried to be the independent Notre Dame. That was never going to happen because of the, the lineage and history that the Golden Domers bring. Right. But BYU exposed the game a little bit to understand just how powerful Notre Dame's brand is. Because look at how much success BYU had in independence. Look how much BYU thrived in independence. And I will tell you, I think one of the main reasons you're seeing Notre Dame be courted by just about every conference and just about every TV network is because Notre Dame showed BYU that you can make real money in the open market. And I know that sounds crazy because, hey, Notre Dame is the original independent. Notre Dame got comfortable being Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame thought people were just going to back up the Brinks truck in South Bend and you know dump out bags of cash. Well, it turns out Tom Homo showed you that if you go out and you, you become one of the best athletic administrators in the world and you negotiate a fantastic TV deal and you go out and you use that TV deal to get great scheduling, that you can actually make a real good living as an independent, and then you heap on top of that Notre Dame's brand, and you heap on top of that their allure, and now you understand why Notre Dame wants a better TV deal than they have now, and they're expecting to make seventy-five to hundred million dollars on their own. Yes, and I think they should because it's flipping Notre Dame. But I'm telling you, BYU in the unspoken in the unspoken world of college football, BYU has had a huge impact on this conversation. And I think if you're BYU, you are coming to the table in the Big 12 at a really important point in time. Because one of the other things I think you have to ask yourself about the Big 12 and TV deals and Notre Dame and does the Big 12 survive? Ask yourself that question. Does the Big 12 survive? I don't think that's the slam dunk that everybody thinks it is. What if Oklahoma State gets an itchy crotch and heads to the SEC? What happens then? What if the Big Ten comes and says, hey, you know, Baylor and Oklahoma State or TCU and Oklahoma State, 
why don't you guys come join the Big Ten? We need some Southern hospitality. Then what? This is a code 10 abort. Well, you never thought about that. I'm telling you that the Big 12 is not as solid as the Big 12 thinks they are. Oh, Rock Nation in that ass. Okay, that's really cool and stuff. And Yorkman's going to be a great commissioner in my opinion. But I'm telling you now, he'd be a great commissioner if he had a conference. If Oklahoma State leaves the Big 12, and maybe I'm putting far too much value on the great Mr. Mullet at Oklahoma State, if mm-hmm. Mike Gundy and the boys pick up and leave, you're in trouble. Facts. Because not only is Oklahoma State a really good football program, they also put it in the hoop pretty good too. And I'm telling you, the other thing is, the stigma that was Waco, Texas, and Baylor, a lot of that stigma came off those programs with what happened last year. And winning championships in basketball and playing at a very high yes. level in football tends to knock some of the, the the tarnish and the stain off of Baylor athletics. Well said. And I'm telling you, Baylor and Oklahoma State, that's a, that's a tandem I'd be watching. Nobody talks about TCU. Nobody. Until they leave the Big 12 and they take Oklahoma State with them. Pack this thing up. We're out of here. I don't think the Big 12 is as rock solid as people make it out to be. And frankly, I think the only conference that is on rock solid footing continues to be SEC football. SEC football. Roll Tide, mother... Anyways. I think the Big 10 has some work to do. I think the Pac-12 is dead. And I think the Big 12 is teetering. Yeah. And they've got to strike while the iron's hot. Why? And I don't care that your commissioner doesn't start till August 1st or whatever. You got to get Oregon and Washington and Utah and San Diego State today. Yeah. If you're the Big 12. And I, I again, we have not heard nearly the last of what's going to happen in college football realignment. August is a critical month. Because there's a lot of people thinking that, oh, yeah, well, we're just waiting for the Big 12 to get their new commissioner. And when he comes in here, we're Rock Nation in that ass. <laughs> Lucky put the, my God, did you see he put Brooklyn Nets in, in Brooklyn and in that, um, what do they call that building over there, Jake? The Barclays Center? Hey, guys. Yeah, the Barclays Center. Hey, that's awesome and stuff. But you got work to do on the Big 12, I'm telling you right now. Um, and you had better get going. Because I, I, Utah, one of the other things you better remember is Utah's not just sitting here hoping and praying. No, they're not. Well, with all due respect, you can stick your thoughts and prayers up your ute ass because we're out here working. I don't know what I just did. But the point is, yeah. Utah's out there looking for a new home. Utah's out there looking for a place that they can secure their future. And the Big 12 is that place. Yeah, and they'd be smart to pair, pair up with Oregon. I mean, why why would you not? Why wouldn't you? Why would you not pair up with Oregon and maybe even throw Washington into that mix? I mean, I, it's, I, it's you got to up your value to get this deal done. I, 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 You know what, man? I'm telling you, don't sit here and wait. Do not sit here and wait because it, it, is, it is going away. Bet you weren't uh, expecting this one. Gabe Ledley says, my dude. Hello. My word. Yeah. Good morning, Gabe Ledley. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, BYU thrived in independence. I wouldn't say that, Mont. Okay. Yes, that made it to the Big 12, but they were mediocre for the better part of a decade. Well, but did you think they were just going to step into independence and win national championships? You've got to ramp up your scheduling. You've got to ramp up your recruiting. You've got to get the right coach at the right time with the right staff and the right food and the right weights and... 
that takes time. How long did it take Utah to win a Pac-12 championship and go to the Rose Bowl? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to... I got news for you, kid. You're not walking into the Big 12 being like, all right, Joey Smith and the boys are here. Time to hand over the trophy. Congratulations, but that's bullshit. It's going to be a learning curve. And you're going to have to you're going to have to schedule up and you're going to have to recruit up and you're going to have to even lift. You're going to have to lift more weights. You're going to have to recruit more players. You're going to have to NIL more players going to have to get a meet more built bars. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. there is a lot of work to do. BYU was a phenomenally successful independent program. There is no other way to look at it. And you can sit here and try to spin. Well, hey, man, you know, six and 49 in bowl games with teams who played in major conferences and kicked off on the left foot, rather the right. Right. You know. Okay, cool. They were a phenomenally successful independent program. ESPN put them in places they could never have gone on their own. Yeah. And who's responsible for that deal? Sir Tom Homo. That's who. And the guy is, in my opinion, one of the great administrators in the history of college football. Yep. And I'm not exaggerating. Doing what he did as an independent for the Cougars. I mean, he got Zach Wilson laid with older women. What more do you need to know about? No, no, no. His greatness and stuff. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. Wow. I'll move on. Wow. I mean, you know. You know. Eric C. says, Eric C., bro, finally, somebody else to defend the honor of San Diego State, yes, the Aztecs. San Diego. Whale's vagina. Dude, Eric, you should have been here yesterday, bro. My guy, my guy was sitting over here absolutely slurping San Diego State for you, and you were not here. That's a can of San Diego State Kool-Aid, baby. You see, I'm a guy of simple taste. <laughs> what I'm telling you, Eric C., if I'm the Pac-12 or the Big 12, I am attacking San Diego State. Yeah. I am taking that whale's vagina, and I am putting them in my conference. How the fuck else would you do this job? I'm telling you that San Diego State, the Aztecs, are incredibly valuable. What yes. they are bringing... And not just as a football program, and obviously they're building a new stadium. Their facilities are fantastic, or going to be. What they bring from croquet, um, their knitting program. Dingers. They actually play pretty good baseball. They play really good basketball, and they're pretty good at football. Yeah. They have a great market. They bring you Orange County to the Mexican border. I'm telling you, it's a huge swath of land. There's a ton of talented kids who want to play major conference football that would stay in SoCal if they could go to San Diego State. San Diego State is a valuable commodity. I'm going to do that. Eric C. says, does BYU still have that running back from last season? Tyler Algier! <laughs> <laughs> that running back from last season. You know, just, you know. You know, just a jag. Yeah. Just a guy. Just a guy. No, he's in the NFL. He's got a bird on his helmet. Yeah. Uh, Eric uh, in Raleigh says, Fawawa, Fawawa, Fawan. Okay. I believe you're butt texting. Uh, Compass says, bro, I'm so happy I clicked on this show a few days ago because this show, uh, this shows are fire and funny. Subscribed with a big bell. Appreciate you, Compass. Thanks for being <laughs> here, man. Yeah, saw it, dad. <laughs> saw it, dad. Ruff's official says, uh, Eric in Raleigh, if the Pac-12 expands and partners with the ACC, it could be more profitable for BYU. Okay, let's talk about this, Ruff's official, because I think this is a, a big talking point. Yeah. BYU's not going to the Pac-12. 
I think the ACC is dead in the water. I think if you read the tea leaves, I was talking to a media friend of mine um, who covers Florida State. And he was saying that just about every school in the ACC, including Clemson, can't wait to fold that conference. Yeah. Because there's just no money there. Yeah, but the problem is, is the deal they signed has them locked into it. I mean, it, the, most yeah. estimates, and there's not, you know, there's not a on-paper figure or any sort of black and white figure, but most people put the number at about 500 million bucks to break that contract. And and right now, the issue is, is you're not locked in for two years or five years or seven years. You're locked in for the next 13 years or whatever it is till 2036. Like, you're screwed, bro. And I don't know what the path to getting out of the ACC looks like, but I can guarantee you this. Somebody will figure it out because realignment is obviously happening, and the ACC is is not really a great conference. You've got one team there that really does anything, you know, and obviously that's Clemson. So I don't know, but I, I think this – I mean, what, what did he say, BYU to the Pac-12? Like, I think that concept just it, – it doesn't – the Pac-12 is going the wrong direction, and there are, there are two schools of thoughts. One school of thought will tell you, hey, they're going to get aggressive and add teams and sort of reshape their conference, if you will. They'll rebuild it in a sense. Uh, another school of thought says that's not going to happen, and I'm in that kind of camp. I think that the Pac-12 has burned money and not done a TV deal and not done a streaming deal for too many years now, and that's costing you now. So teams are leaving. Teams are going to, to greener pastures. And I think that's why BYU is going to the Big 12, and that's why I think the Big 12 is going to pursue uh, again, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. Those are the three, and there may be more, but I think those are the three nameplates that that really stir the drink for the Big 12. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at um, the ACC, obviously they have a very close relationship with Notre Dame, and I think that that helps them. But when you look at um, you know the ACC, I mean, the ACC is a basketball conference. Let's stop screwing around with it. Yeah. I mean, when you look at um, Notre Dame basketball, Duke basketball, Duke obviously Duke. UNC, North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina, uh, Miami's actually sneaky good at basketball, uh, but Virginia Tech, FSU, like, I mean, you have brands in that conference um, that you'd like to see excel. I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens to Louisville, um, Louisville. Virgi Louisville, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Like, I mean, there's a lot of big brands in that conference. I just don't think there's a lot of money to be made because you don't have, in my opinion, the ability to build and execute a huge TV contract. Yeah. And I think when you look at the impact that Notre Dame could potentially have on NBC, I think that the, the dream of adding Notre Dame football to the ACC is dead. Yeah. Why would Notre Dame go to the ACC when they could easily join the Big Ten, have regional rivalries, play Michigan every year, um, and play Ohio State every year? Do you know the TV draw on an Ohio State-Notre Dame game Dude, every single year? That would be crazy. Are you out of your mind? Do you know? Do you understand right now how many people want Notre Dame and Michigan back on the schedule every single season? I want them back on the schedule. I, I mean, it, it, it is just such a natural fit are you out of your goddamn mind Notre Dame football's not joining the ACC right so I, I look at this this idea that you could have a Pac-12 ACC merger but who's putting that on TV yeah neither conference can get a good TV deal and I just I didn't say a great big mega millions just a good TV deal yes neither one of those those institutions um the ACC or the Pac-12 have been able to do that and now you're losing USC your nameplate team in school out of the, the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, you're not getting better. You're getting worse. Yep, going the wrong way, man. And I, I don't care what it costs. People will figure out how to dump the ACC. It's going to happen.
And you've got to figure out in my mind, and again, this is just my opinion, the Pac-12 has no value. Yeah. What is, if you're San Diego State, what's the value of staying in in the Pac-12? Bring Don't that, you well, know who yeah, I am? Bring that whale's vagina to freaking Stillwater, Oklahoma, am Stillwater. Let's do this thing. Anyway, Eric and Raleigh, who, by the way, knowledgeable ACC guy, Eric and Raleigh, the ACC's only chance to stay relevant is by turning into the Big East, basketball only. That's what I'm – you're a far better basketball conference than a football conference. I feel like a lot of these conferences are scared to take the big leap, you know, to do something like that. Yes. You know, I, I feel like they're just – like, I feel like the SEC does this sometimes where they'll just go and, like, they'll go and get Texas and Oklahoma, and they'll beat you to the punch, and then their commissioner's going to stand up on the stage and tell you they beat you to the punch and they're better than you. Like, that's that's – it's just such a struggle, man. And, and that's the other thing, the other piece. Like, even if all this happens, let's say the ACC and the Pac-12 merged and the Big 12 had its thing and everything lined up perfectly. At the end of the day, for us as college football fans and people who cover teams and stuff, what really has changed? Yeah. And I don't understand how the math adds up here. And again, with all due respect to what Clemson's accomplished in football and Florida State and Miami, like you have football brands there. I think what Bronco did at Virginia really helped their program. But when I look at the landscape of college football, if you merge the Pac-12 and the ACC, you're putting together, you're essentially putting together two piles of football crap and hoping that that's what going to turn into a diamond. It's not the best situation, and that's, we all know that. That's not happening. Yeah. All you're doing is making a bigger pile of crap. Spinal. And, and nobody's paying for that. Yeah. You know what? Uh, like so it just it never made sense to me. What makes sense is I think Notre Dame football is its own independent thing. Um, if memory serves, I believe that Notre Dame has – I mean, they signed a grant of rights for basketball in the ACC, so they're going to be there for a minute. But Notre Dame football can go and do anything they want. Because Notre Dame football is independent, they do not they do not have an agreement with the ACC, which I think is a common misconception. Notre Dame is an independent program. Yeah. So and they're good enough to get in the college football playoff, which I think really matters. Yeah, I just I think there's so much there. Nicholas Mills says San Diego State to the Big Twelve and their run game will run over all that competition. Well, but I think that's what's attractive about it. Yeah. Like San Diego State has the opportunity to go to this new home. And just light the world on fire. I mean, they may, they're, you know, hey, they may not win a conference wherever they go, whether that's the Pack or the Big 12, whatever, but they are a valuable commodity. They are a team that brings value. They are a team that people want to watch. They are a team that gives you a good football game. And I think that ultimately is what matters. I mean, how many times are we going to get some random, you know, low end Big 12 matchup on Fox that nobody gives a damn about? You know, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about making money, TV deals and NIL and all this stuff. And to do that, you need good matchups. And right now, I feel like the Big 12 could really benefit from adding some of these teams from that standpoint. Yep, totally agree. Sorry, I'm being rude in texting while doing the show. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of these things where this is all going to – a month from now, we're having a different conversation about college football. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's where this is. Um you know, Tanner Plummer says, Ruff's official, why the F would BYU go to the Pac-0? They wouldn't. There's no yes. reason to. Uh, Kurt Myers says, the ACC was so great, Notre Dame would have signed the deal. For football, yeah. I think it's a really good basketball conference. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Duke being Duke without Coach K. Duke you're no is Duke, Duke and, you know. You're, you're Dukey. Yeah. 
Uh, Eric in Raleigh says the Pac-12 had a chance to compete BYU when they added Utah, and they thumbed their nose at them. Yes, they did. You know, so it just is what it is. He also says the Pac-12 can't get lower-level teams and expect to stay relevant. Thank you. Facts. Thank you. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Eric and Raleigh says Notre Dame did sign the grant of rights. Oh, so they did. Okay, great. Did sign the grant of rights contract when they moved everything but football to the ACC. Yeah, so they're married there. TJ McVeigh says the Pac-12 can't replace USC with Mountain West teams and compete with the Big Ten and SEC. Utah needs to move to the Big 12. Yes. Needs today. But I think, but I think that today. same logic applies to Oregon. I think it applies to Washington. I mean, it applies basically to any brand that is good enough in football to compete for the college football playoff. Like you have to be not that not that the college football playoff defines anything really, but I think that your value is winning football games because winning football games puts you on TV and gets you recruited, yes. and gets you an IL. Yeah, and I agree so with that. Ultimately, I just think that these teams they have to move, and and I am honestly I am scared for Utah. I am scared for. These I, I'm worried plays. about it. I'm yeah. worried about Utah. Yeah, I, I I'm worried about the Big Twelve, frankly, because I I think if the Big Twelve falters. And if they lose another team, I think the Big 12's in real trouble. But but let's say that that does happen. So then what? This handful, these handful of teams are just going to make a new conference or something? Like I think that's a, there's a real possibility of that. I mean, there's nothing that would say they can't. Um, you know, I know there's escape clauses in all of these conference contracts that talk about um, you know minimum thresholds. And when you have a TV deal being negotiated in the coming years, yeah, like right now. You can't afford to lose Oklahoma State. And I again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if you were to lose if you were to lose any of, you know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, yeah. Especially Oklahoma State, Baylor, like I I just think you you're losing so much booster cash that it's going to be really hard for you to compete. Yeah. And I think that the tradition and the quality of of athletics at Oklahoma State is a real important fundamental ingredient for the success of the, the the Big 12. Yeah. And I think that's why if you're Utah, you have to leverage your success right now because the, the, I'm telling you the Pac-12 this year is going to be bananas. And by all indications, USC and, and Utah are going to fight for, for the top of that conference. And I think that's going to be spectacular. But you have to win games right now if you're if you're Utah. Yeah. That's why if if I am the Utah Utes, I'm getting into the Big 12 today before I ever even kick off fall camp. If that's an option for me, I'm doing that. I am doing that. And if I'm the Big 12, I'm not waiting for my new commissioner to start in, in two weeks. I'm not doing that, right? Like, you've got to move now. And I, I, I just hope, and I think there is. I think there is. Utah is, Harlan is a really good athletic director really good who has the support of his administrators he's doing everything he can do to put utah in a position to win financially yeah and to secure their future as an athletic program and i think that's what you have to believe on if, if you're a utah ute fan but dude you got to do this now you cannot wait and hope you have to do this now without question jeremy bolton says lol have you seen a san diego state home game bro 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 there's like 48 fans here well let's wait for hey, their guys. new let's wait for their new facility I mean, they have a beautiful new athletic facility going in. Dude said there's like 48 fans and, and, there. And actually, Jeremy, don't slander them, okay? There's 57. This is fucking America. Man, take your shoes off. Count with your toes. Uh, James Knight says, forget my Australian ignorance. Do winners of each conference uh, playoff? Well, conferences have playoffs, and they have like championship games. But you, you have a college football playoff system that essentially puts conference champions into 
slotted bowl games. Yes. Uh, DJ Lopez Monty texting on the show. We need, uh, we about to get a Monty bomb instead of a Woj bomb. Look out. No, not really. It's I just, love that show. you know, them hoes after that ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, them hoes after that ass. That's a lie. Um, Eric C <laughs> says, we have something called NFL teams in California, Jeremy, LOL. College football is cool though. I can get into it. Wow. Uh, Compass says Utah is falling apart a little bit. Uh, Zayman says Marshall Falk, baby. Hey. One of the greatest running backs in the history of, well, that and Kurt Morrison, Captain Kirk. Are you kidding me? Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, and I'm going to say it again. Hopefully Utah and the SWAC can come together the on some swag. sort of TV deal to show their conference games. Going to be killer rivalry with JSU. Wow. The SWAC. Eric and Raleigh got the haterade. I'm out. telling you, the BYU sentiment is going to be rough if Utah goes to the Mountain West. It is. Eric explains to James Knight the college football playoff is basically an invitational. They choose teams that will draw the biggest TV audience. I want Pretty you to much. listen to me. It's very corrupt, Eric and Raleigh says. Pretty much. Speaking of corruption, right? Should we talk about unions or Utah real estate? Real estate. Okay. Let's talk about Utah real estate. Because there are some shocking numbers to kick off the non-sports stories of the day here, friends. Mm -hmm. There are some shocking numbers in Utah real estate. We are at a 10-year low in the state for the month of June for home sales. A 10-year low. And days on market are really high. But then again, round about the parts where I don't stay at. Right. They just put a $1.25 million house under contract yesterday. Right. In a neighborhood that's never had a million dollar house sold. You guys are idiots. So I don't know. And I guess this is the bigger question. What's a house really worth? What is, what is your house really worth? And I think the interesting part of this is, is that more people can afford to buy a house than realize. And it's interesting talking to my guy, Devery Davis, the other day, um, we were talking about down payment assistance. Yeah. And he was saying that, hey, you know, there's this new program that gives a grant essentially for law enforcement officials to buy homes uh, to help with their down payments. Like there's all kind of ways to buy homes these days. Right. And this is why I say only half jokingly, hey, now there's never been a better time to call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. And say, hey, can I afford to refi my house? Because there's a lot of people heading for bad places. Like consumer debt right now yeah. is a big deal. There's a lot of people that have delinquencies on car payments, mortgages, credit cards. Inflation's a big deal. Uh, you may not think about it in these terms, but the cost of gasoline has broken a lot of homes. Yes. The cost of milk or a loaf of bread has broken a lot of homes. So the question is, you're a guy that's trying to buy a house and you're a millennial mm -hmm. and you're in one of the generations that now is sucking up a lot of the homes that are being sold right now. Millennials now are getting to a point in their lives where they're starting to buy homes, where they had never bought homes. Now you're starting to buy homes. If I said to you, hey, do you think you can buy, afford to buy a house right now? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably close. I think it, I think, you know, it comes down to merits and like what the deal looks like. I think that there definitely is programs. There's definitely you know, ways to do it. Like I definitely could right now, but I think for me, it comes down to, you know, interest rates and home prices and like how the deal sort of comes together. I don't want to be paying, you know, 
2300 for something that should be 1700 you know i don't want to overpay for something that that drastically and so you know like last weekend i i walked through a uh an open house here in 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 daybreak and you know this lady had owned her place for four months and her work moved her and she had to put it right back on the market and she's at a point where she's so desperate to sell that that she's offering uh, a credit so that you can lower your your mortgage rate like by a point or so so she's like trying that's how desperate this individual was to sell their property so i think my point is that there is opportunity out there but you do have to go and find it you have to hunt it you have to you have to get out yeah. there yeah and i think you have to be all cash and what that means is not, oh, you're buying a $500,000 house. I have $500,000 in cash. That's not what that means. What it means is you have to go to a guy, again, like Debbie Davis at Academy Mortgage and say, I need an all cash letter that says I'm ready to close and it's an all cash deal. We're going to wire you the entire amount of money on the day we close. Mm -hmm. And we can close in 15 days. We can close in. But see, here's the thing. With the market the way it is and as competitive as the market is, you don't really have to do all that much anymore. What you have to do is be willing not to buy the house you're making an offer on. You have to be willing to go in there and say, like, there's a house pretty close to where I live that's worth probably 500000 that's on the market for 600000 mm -hmm. You have to be willing to go in there and say, okay, here's my offer for $500,000. I'm giving you 24 hours to take it or leave it. And that's it. That's the bottom line. And I think that that's what it's going to require. But I'm curious in the comments section, A, how many people own homes? Yeah. How many people right now own homes? And do you think you can afford to refire buy a new house? I wonder, where are you at with buying a house? Are there people in this on this show, the 158 people watching the show live right now? Um, one, give us a thumbs up, please. It really helps the show grow. Yeah. But do you believe that you can afford to buy a house? You like, is that something that you dream of still? I'm just curious where you're at. Good morning to uh, our beloved Mrs. Monty, who it's not even close, kid. Come on. It, it, you know, I'm not the one. She was know, pointing me. She was like being the air traffic controller. Yeah. And being like, hey, no, At least this. I got you a little bit closer. Not really. That's like almost exactly what it was. Okay. Good morning. How are you? Hi. I'm, ama I'm okay. amazing. I'm amazing. Are you? Obvi. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming, Mrs. Monty, uh, Eric says. Uh, Compass yes, yes, says. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, Compass says, I, I think I could. Uh, Rhett Smith says, I own two, but got lucky with rental property. Yes. Well, that's the way you build generational wealth. There's no doubt it about is, that. 100%. There's no doubt about that. DJ Lopez says, got to be like Danny Ainge with buying a house. You do. Mm -hmm. You really do. And you can't feel bad about it. You know, one of the, the again, one of the funny things is um, the National Association of Realtors a couple of weeks ago put out a survey that said home buyers, people putting contracts on homes have guilt over asking for certain things in a contract. It's business. There's nothing to feel guilty about. It, it is business. And uh, my brother actually just recently bought a home um, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And the first offer that he put in on this house, they turned it down. They wanted concessions. They asked for a whole bunch of things. They wanted him to pay the fees. And he roundly said, nope. All right, we're out then. And um, went and looked at some other houses, gave them a little time to suffer. It was still on the market. Uh, you know, two weeks later, they went back and they made another offer, a lower offer, and the buyer accepted it. Yeah. Now, that's not every market, but that's just saying, like, stick 
to what you want to do. Don't get pressured with the market. Don't get, you know, bullied into upping your offer if it's not that type of market, if you're not desperate to move. Yeah, I, I just think that so many people want the brass ring. And usually you can't afford the brass ring. Mm -hmm. You're buying 5,000 square feet when you need three. And you're heating 5,000 square feet when you should just be heating three. And water bills and all, everything that comes along with that. Yeah, Owning a home is not cheap, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, the cost of maintenance, the repairs, the home warranty, the like it, it's not cheap to own a home. And I, I think one of the things that people forget is it's also totally affordable. You can do it. You need to do it the right way. You need to build a home warranty into your contract offer. You need to be able to, to not pay a penny more than, than you're supposed to yeah. for that house. And I think that's why two things, you need a real estate agent, a real, real estate professional who has experience in the market because there's so many rookie real estate agents and, and I think buyers make huge mistakes. But when you realize that there's never been a June in most of our adult lives where we've seen this few transactions on homes in Salt Lake County alone, I mean, you you have to take advantage of this market. Yes. In my opinion. I think I think it's it's absolutely vital. Uh the Nye guy says, I live in a van down by the river. Yeah. <laughs> well in a van. And that's down also by an option. River. You know? That is also an option. Yeah. I agree. Still should call Devry though. See if you can get refinanced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you should. Uh Jeff Clausen says, bought in twenty nineteen. But with higher rates, we're going to have to make our smaller home work as our family grows. Well, Jeff, I'm telling you, there are great refi programs. There are great refi programs. And again, um, you know, our show today is presented by Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666. Call Devery Davis, talk to him about it. No matter where you live. Call him and he can refer you to a, an agent if he doesn't, or to a mortgage person if he doesn't, you know, cover where you live. But I mean, if you're in if you're in Utah, Arizona, I, I just think you have to be smart with your money, and calling a guy like Devery Davis, it, it, that's the minimum bar. And this is not an ad or whatever. I'm just telling you with the 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 things that we're seeing in the real estate markets in in Utah. If you're not if you don't have a mortgage guy on speed dial, like if you're sitting around flipping through Zillow looking to buy a house, or if you're in a position where um, you know, you're, you're looking at your situation like, like Jeff is Jeff, I'd tell you right now, you, you, you should call your mortgage guy, whoever your mortgage guy is called every Davis at Academy mortgage. I'm telling you, and just say to him, Hey man, I bought in 2019, but rates were much higher. You know, Hey, am I in a position where I can refi out? Can I get below that? Like, yeah. Hey, can I, you know, can I qualify? Like what's your credit score? Hey, okay. Well, it's this. Okay. Well, you know, you could probably qualify here or there. Like your mortgage guys have the 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 ammunition for you to put yourself in a better financial position but i think so many people would be like well i'll just take a home equity line of credit you're crazy yeah do you know how expensive home equity lines of credit are they're called helocs do you know how expensive helocs are right now it's 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 out of this world yeah and you also have predators in mortgage out there who'll be like oh yeah sign an adjustable rate sign an arm yeah you'll be fine we'll refi you I'm out of screwed that. come on man very few people can make an arm work. It's not horrible for everyone, but if you, I mean, and if you can make an arm work, if you really know that you are going to sell that house inside of a few years and that you have the credit to not get totally yes. screwed, you can make an arm work. You can. 
it's just very few people can. And we've had some friends who got into an arm and then they couldn't refinance. Yep. A couple of years later, they couldn't refinance and they were in a really bad position. So that's one that's like, if you can do it, sweet. I also have friends who've done it, had a great experience in Seattle. So super, like you just really have to know what you're getting yourself into. I'm curious to know if the we're behind... Um, houses by like uh what what did we hear millions oh no it's but millions. like utah's like four hundred thousand. oh yeah i want to say yeah no utah's like nine hundred sixty-seven thousand yeah. short of affordable housing nine hundred sixty-seven thousand units so i wonder how how many people during like the big push were buying into new builds their new builds won't be delivered for another say year Mm-hmm. You know, so I wonder if we're seeing any sort of a lag there with how many people bought into new builds and now they're just well, waiting. That's called a new start. And I think that's factored in. I could be wrong. I'm not an expert, but new starts, I think, are factored into that. But to your point, so many people at the height of the of the valuation market bought because they tried to sell their house and buy something new to make as much money as possible. And I just, I think nine times out of 10, that's a mistake. Yeah. Like right now, again, as we sit here, I have $200,000 now more than that, looking this morning on on Zillow, the Zestimate, which isn't worth the piece of paper it's printed on. Right. Uh, But the supposed value of my house is $216,000 more than I owe. And the problem is, sure, that'd be great, but in no circumstance am I sticking $216 in my pocket. Because if I sell my house, I got to go spend that two sixteen to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. If I refi my house, I'm paying at the current value, which you and I both know is not the actual value of the house. Yeah, next question. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not worth $216,000 more than I've paid for it. Right. In just all honesty, it's worth what somebody will pay, I guess. But then my mortgage Damn. payment is going to probably triple. There's, It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I have a, I, I think we have a three-point mortgage i think we have i think i mean i know for a fact we're in phenomenal position based on uh you know loan to value of the house like but you don't truly have refi equity in in your house in my opinion yeah i think if i think your best move here is to sell if you want to if you want to realize that profit in your house i'm telling you call call debbie davis call your mortgage guy today and say hey i want to sell and buy something new what's my buying power yeah have the conversation, man, because I think I think it is totally worth it. Let's get some of your comments in here. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, Mrs. Monty, since when do you have a Twitter account? Hey, guys. I've had it. Hey, guys. I've had it for a long time. I just changed the name recently. So. There it is. Go. Mrs. Monty Show. Yes. Is your, uh, is your, your Twitter handle. Yes, now. it is. So. You know. Go follow Mrs. Monty, Mrs. Monty Show. Uh, Giggity says, I wouldn't do an arm right now. Not a chance in the world. Nah. Not a chance it's in the very world. very few people that it no would way. work for. No. <laughs> uh, Jaker57 Boating says, every time I get those texts wanting to buy my house, I respond $1 million cash. But those are wholesalers. Yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah, that's a totally different ballgame. Those guys want to make you a cash offer today so they can flip your house and make money on it. What you need, if you really want to sell your house and you want to make money and go buy something else, put your house on the market. I don't think he really wanted to make money. No, probably not. (laughs) Call yourself an experienced realtor, a professional real estate agent who has experience in your marketplace, in your zip codes, have done business. 
You should be able to call a realtor today and say, what's my house worth? They should be able to give you a number. Yep. They should be able to give you a number. And you should you sh- should call Devery before you do that because you want to know, yes. hey, like, what can I go, you know, get, you know, and then figure out what the value of your home is. Scammer Trolling says, I love this show, man. You get financial advice and the most up-to-date news on the Jazz and the Big 12 and Pac-12. Incredible. The other guys in town could never. Well, we appreciate that, Scammer Trolling. Thank yeah. you. And more is to come. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, Giggity says, is Devery licensed in other states other than Utah? He is. Um, and if, if you're in a state where Devery doesn't work, I, w- I would still encourage you to call Devery Davis Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278545, an equal housing lender. Um, things I have to say, because you want to call Devery and just talk to him. He is a guy that is a, is an asset to you. Mm-hmm. If you're buying in Uzbekistan, call him and say, Hey bro, I'm looking at this, uh, three flat in Uzbekistan, Afghanistan. I think you went a little far there. Um, what? what I'm going to say you mean what? Like, far yeah, you, do you mean like mileage wise far? Like no. Uzbekistan is no. just a nice I think, uh, uh, truck boat, truck extreme. plane, boat, plane, helicopter no. flight. Mm-mm. Right. You no. Know. No. Uh, but it, seriously, if you're if you're in a place where Devery doesn't represent, he will give you the best mortgage advice you've ever had. Yeah. Honest to God, he's just a guy. Devery Davis is a guy you want to sit around and chop it up with. Yeah, and he's, I think the best thing is like he'll mm-hmm. tell you what not to do as well. Like he'll, it's yeah. not just like oh yep. well, I'm going to get you the best deal. It's it's more like hey, like you shouldn't do this, you know. And that's what I think sometimes you don't get out of a lot of people. And we've had the experience of saying, hey, we're moving out of state. And and they were still actually able to help us. So, yeah, oh yeah. so definitely, if you're if you're looking at another state, uh, I think it's worth your time to call. But make sure you know what your power is before you go out there and look. Well, and I I will tell you the one mortgage we did when we built in Arizona that wasn't through Devery Davis was a, a shit show. Like I, if we're being honest, it was not a fun experience. Yeah. So Devery's written three mortgages for me. So I'm not just, this is not a thing where Devery's like, hey, here's my money. Let's advertise. Hey, man. We went to Devery and said, hey, you know, we're looking at doing X, Y, Z. And we want you to be our mortgage guy. Because we want you guys to have the best of everything. We're not just looking you to know, make like, money. We're looking to partner with people who provide you value. That's yeah. the thing. And I think Devery Davis absolutely does that. But yeah. I, again, whether you're Giggity or anybody else, I would encourage you just to call Devery and say, hey, What's up with my house? And by the way, thanks for supporting the Monty Show. 801-543-9666. 801-543-9666. Dever Davis at Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278-545. Okay, before we get yeah. out of here, our fast food joints, a good union shop. This Chipotle story is getting crazy. Why is it always Chipotle? I Because... Their food's amazing, and I just hate eating there now. But having said that, right, the state of Maine, Chipotle workers at a particular Chipotle restaurant in Maine tried to unionize. Well, all of a sudden, Chipotle announced the store was closing. And they um, announced it was closing under the guise of, well, we don't have enough manpower. To which I say, suck it. That's a lie, in my opinion. I don't know if it's a lie or not. My opinion is they likely didn't want that store to unionize. And right now, here here's my question. Like, if you work at Chipotle, is that not a right now it's it's covering a need? Yeah. You can't tell me you're at Chipotle like, well, you know, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage told me I got to have $7,000 for a down payment. Better make some more bowls. Let me go roll some burritos. Who does that? Yeah, you know, Like, nobody does that. 
Why are you unionizing a shop where you're probably going to be there less than a year? It's it's a it's a way station in your life. It's a it's a, it's I I don't the value proposition in unionizing a fast food joint like Chipotle doesn't seem like it would be there for the guys who are starting that union now. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I've worked a ton of fast food in my life. I mean, my first job ever was at Taco Bell in Round Lake Beach, Illinois, where I worked for like two days trying to chase a girl. Yes, yes, yes. Didn't work out. Um, and I burned my eyebrow off on a bean pot, um, <laughs> which is when I told myself, hey, man, I've had bad experiences with oil and eyebrows. But OK, OK. Anyway, my point anyway. is, I don't know that forming a union in fast food is probably the right thing to do. Yeah, I just think it's so it's it's like you just said, you made the best point. Like people are only going to be there for a minute. Like from a career standpoint, you're only going to be there for a year, maybe even two years. But it but unions are best fit for long-term employment because then you're bought into, "Hey, I want better pay. I want better benefits. I want a better day-to-day experience." Like if you're only going to be there a year and then you're leaving, like what what is the point? And that's why I think Chipotle shut this store down because they're like, "Yeah, we're not even going to deal with this. We got we got so much money in the bank that we don't technically even need this store." Like I I honestly think that was the play for for Chipotle this time. And I wouldn't be surprised if they really did have a shortage of labor because we've seen it everywhere. Every single fast food place that you walked in, walk into is hiring and they're all competing to, to pay you more. But the, the thing with the union is it's a, for something like a fast food where you're making a a lower wage. I don't know. I think it's a weak trade off. You're going to give them $2, you know, out of your hourly wage to get maybe $200 in health insurance. Yeah. Like, I just don't on, see, man. again, it's a short payoff. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I'm guessing that if you were unionizing at a Chipotle, it's because you were feeling like you were overworked. You're feeling like you were underpaid. Yeah, you weren't getting enough. So. so maybe that is the case. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I see a purpose for unions in some places. I don't see it as much in a fast food, but... Yeah. By the way, um, there's quite a bit of uh, conversation on the uh, old old uh, comment machine about you doing an RSL podcast. What are we saying? <sighs> so Jeremy says, "Uh-oh, Mrs. Monty about to get 50 RSL tweets about a uh, podcast from Tanner." LOL. <laughs> Jeremy um, hey Giggity says, "Hey Jeremy, if Mrs. Monty did her RSL podcast, Monty would have known about the match last night at Rio Tinto." Rio Tinto. Well. Are you doing an RSL podcast? I'm not doing an RSL podcast. I'm sorry. We, we discussed it one that. time and Mr. Man was like, hey, and decided hey to toss that out there before well, really. But that's what I do. I, I throw it out there. Before whoa. really having a grasp on it. And I don't want to put out a crappy product. So, you know, I just don't feel like I'm in the right position to be able to do that. So I'll be honest and tell you, I'm not doing an RSL Why? podcast. Why? Damn. I... I would love to be doing something, but I don't want to give you a bad product and have you be disappointed. Tanner says, uh, "Tanner says, yeah, pretty much, Jeremy Bolton. Well, in fairness, Giggity, I didn't know about that match until I saw a tweet about it. I didn't even know that was going on. I had no idea. And Tanner also says, I'm actually going to start my own RSL podcast soon, so stay tuned. Well, Good for well, you, dude. Do it. Yeah, there I you go. I think that'd be amazing. Do it. Uh, where's the cheapest place to own a house? Neville93 says. 
Well, are you talking in Utah or like? I, I mean, uh, that that depends. I mean, a, a simple Google search and will is, probably is tell cheap, you. Like, is cheap like value proposition cheap or just straight up lowest value of the house? You know, like are we talking about $200,000 house? Or are we talking about, you know, how much you're the, spending versus what you get? The interesting thing is with, with all of the work from home and with people who are working remotely, I think that there's a huge opportunity for you to be able to move somewhere where it is more affordable. Yeah. Now, so that, but that requires that you can work remotely. If you don't have that opportunity, that's a little bit harder. Um, so again, it's the rich getting richer because if you're able to work from home, you can then afford to live somewhere where you can buy a house, a bigger house for less yeah. money. Yeah. Like I've seen some stuff like in more rural areas that you can get a banger of a house for not a lot of money, yeah. but yep. But you're out there. Well, and I think it depends on if you want to build something. The Nye guy says Detroit. Well, I wouldn't actually say Detroit. The Midwest has such an incredible issue with banking problems. I would guess the state of Michigan. The state of Michigan is probably not top 10. Yeah. Uh, my guess is it's somewhere mid, mid-Atlantic. Um, it won't be the Carolinas, but I, I would think somewhere like Tennessee, maybe West Virginia. I actually um, think you are Midwest. I think you're no. Kansas, Nebraska. No, 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 no. The, the, I'm not saying oh, St. Louis. Dude. I'm, I'm saying rural Kansas. Okay. I'm saying more rural. Okay, so according to Roofstock, why do we debate? Um, compile a list of the cheapest states to buy a house in right now in 2022. They use Zillow, GoBanking, Yahoo, and World Population Review. There you go. The number one cheapest state to buy a house in West Virginia. Median home value, $130,000. Number two, Mississippi. $130,000? What are they buying? A shoebox? One year price change, 13%. The hell is that? Average rent, $912. Congratulations, but that's bullshit. What's that? Bro, is it currently published? Yeah, Roofstock. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. It's, you know. Roofstock's a major, yeah. June 2022. Oh, when was it published? Uh, this was written in uh, May, May 29th. Okay. Uh, West Virginia, one. Mississippi, two. Arkansas, three. Oklahoma, four. Iowa, number five. Uh, median home value in Iowa, $184,972. Is Utah on the list? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, Kentucky, six. Bama, seven. Kansas. There you go. Kansas, eighth. $199,893. You cross a $200,000 threshold in Ohio at $202,000. La Ziana. La Ziana. La Ziana. Number 10, $208,000. Indiana. 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 Yeah, Indiana. I mean, look, clearly, clearly. Okay. Did you just bro, ignore my you, song? Are you okay, bro? Like, jerk. Something's dude. very wrong. Missouri, Michigan, 13th. Detroit, Michigan. There you go. Uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois. Where is Utah on this list? Way at the uh, bottom next Texas, to Texas, 23. Georgia, Carolina. Yeah, not even in the top 25. No chance. Yeah. Good Lord. No chance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. There you go. It just is what it is. Tanner says, Mont, have you had a lot of bad experiences with women? What are you talking about, bro? Guy, I'm a Viking. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, He's been with me for more than 20 yeah, years. So. One, marry one, kill one. Go. <laughs> I did them all. Uh, Teddy wow. Maven says, man, I wish houses here in Riverton were only 250000 Dude, seriously. you're telling me, man. Teddy, seriously. Seriously. Bro. bro. Uh, it's wild. <laughs> James Knight says, Tanner, go get your soccer ball. 
Uh, Tanner says, Jeremy, would you watch RSL if Alex Caruso joined the team? Now you're being no. a cog. Uh, J-Rock says, uh, Houston has some pretty good uh, houses for cheap prices. Yeah, but you can get Texas, some value in though. Texas, but you man, know, Texas dude, is you got to deal with Ted, you got to deal you got to deal with deal with freaking Ted Cruz. Twitter's been going crazy. It is Cancun hot, Cruz. humid, and and hurricanes and, and uh, nah, bro. The I'm cheapest fine. place to live are cheap for a reason. Nobody wants to live there. Giggity says, "Well." Bro, yeah. giggity. Why you got to be so cold-blooded about it, bro? I ain't wrong. Yeah. Zayman says millennials going for a union at fast food, the state of the union. Pathetic. Classic. It's Zayman classic, says, isn't it? It is. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I just hope that you, at some point, I hope we all get to do what we want to do. I mean, uh, Jacob Yates, I moved out of Utah so I could get a house for 250K, five bedroom, three bath, big backyard, and shared pond. Jacob, where do you live? We're all coming. Um, you know. It is what it is. Uh, let's see. James Knight says, why not go east? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Minnesota. See what he did there? That's like Minnesota in the Eastern Conference because you're dumb. Right. You know. oh, okay. Yeah, right. Because you know. Right, right, right. Okay. Got it. NFC East is where the Vikings. The Vikings playing the NFC East, right, Jay? Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. Play the music because we got to rock and roll, my friends. Uh, always good to see you. Hey, please don't forget uh, we're giving away a trip for two to Las Vegas to see Notre Dame and BYU in the Shamrock Series at Allegiant Stadium. A pair of tickets, two nights in a hotel, and a $250 gas card for you to drive away to see them. All you got to do is give us a thumbs up right now and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. It's all brought to you by our good friend, Deborah Davis at Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278-545, an equal housing lender. Call Deborah Davis right now and say thank you. Pick up your phone right now and call him. 801-543-9666. Deborah Davis brings you the BYU Notre Dame drive away in Las Vegas. Until tomorrow. Just say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.